politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to guard anew our life, our liberty, and our property to the one and only CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today towards the end of the week. It's Thursday, August 4th, and we got a lot to cover today. We've had some terrific guests this week, so I wanted to just spend time together today to clear the decks, domestic, foreign policy, legislation, political stuff, so much to get to, so let's just jump right into it. By the way, as always, you could catch me on Telegram now at C19TruthBombs, email Horowitz at startmail.com. Pre-March 20th, March 20 mindset, 320, that's what we're going to call it, a pre-320 mindset, March 2020, that's when the Great Reset was implemented, the first step, COVID fascism, which is the most severe thing civilization has ever suffered at a global level, and that was just the opening bid. Where am I coming from? So, throughout the last 20 years, we were lectured to by the wizards within the neoconservative movement, the Republican Party, which largely became defined by the neoconservative uh, mentality, which is not conservative at all, was that if you don't support certain things, you are exhibiting a pre-9-11 mindset, right? Remember that pre-9-11 mindset. The notion was that this was a watershed moment. It changed the world. And your policies have to comport with the reality. They have to address what is actually in front of us today. And the premise behind that wasn't wrong. It's just the way they they used it. In fact, it should have been applied to immigration and visas and things like that. And, uh, you know, kicking out the Muslim Brotherhood from America. Uh, but instead, it was applied to, you know, silence anyone who was like, hey, what, what are we doing in Iraq and Afghanistan and Syria, you know, all these years? No, 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 you can't have a pre-9-11 mindset. Well, I'm here to tell you, you can't have a pre-320, March 2020 mindset. Yet you look at all these Republicans and conservatives and whatever they call themselves, talk radio show hosts, sitting members of Congress, um, new prospective candidates, they all have a pre-320 mindset. And it's not just the fact that COVID fascism that's still going on and is building and building and building doesn't exist in their minds, but on foreign policy as well, they have a pre-320 mindset. And what I want to say with this is what I mean by this pre-3-2020 mindset. Well, what do you mean, Daniel? What does that have to do with foreign policy? Isn't that COVID fascism? What I mean is this. What occurred in 3-2020 was the rise of the Fourth Reich. It wasn't just medical tyranny, COVID fascism. But as Klaus Schwab wrote, he wrote his Great Reset three minutes after the virus came out, which is kind of interesting because I certainly know how long it takes to get a book published, that this was a Great Reset. It wasn't just about COVID. It wasn't even just about medicine, but medical freedom. 
It was the notion that the Western governments were all united in a, a, a form of communism that's more destructive than we've ever seen before, a form of fascism that we've never seen before, where you will have this massive partnership between public, private, corporate, tech, all government institutions, all science, all technology, military, everything together to rule over humanity and create a set of ethos that if you abide by them, you're okay. If you don't abide by them, you will be marginalized and you forfeit your right to live. And there's nothing we will not do to achieve those those goals. That is essentially, in a nutshell, what we're up against now. And it's, it's medicine, bodily autonomy, food, fuel, everything, and things that we still cannot imagine. Listen to our guest yesterday, John Whitehead, about digital authoritarianism, transhumanism. That's what it's about. So while it mainly affects domestic policy, although it's global in nature, but we have to realize it affects our foreign policy as well in many, many respects. Because our foreign policy until now was predicated on the fact that America is a force for good. Our government may be sometimes corrupt and flawed, fundamentally, relatively speaking, a force for good. And NATO, the West, relatively speaking, a force for good relative to other uh, countries and, and dictators in the world. So therefore, based on that, we're going to support, hey, we need to do these things to counter them. And we need to do this, right? Because we are the force for good. 320 should have changed your entire mindset on everything. And it should make it clear that our government and Western governments are no longer a force for good. Okay? And in fact, they are more fascist or communist than often the people were supposedly fighting. As such, any effort to engage in hostilities, whether it's sanctions, whether it's kinetic force-to-force conflicts, you are going to be supporting something that is at least as corrupt, something that will only bring pain to Americans and the world without you know, any, any advantage. That is a post-320 mindset. And that until we root out the evil, the fascism within us, we cannot be a force for good, even in parts of the world where legitimately there is a belligerent that needs to be countered. There might be people that strategically need to be defended. But we don't have the ability to do that. We don't have the ability until we protect our own backyard, and that requires burning everything to the ground and starting from scratch. With that said, I want to go over the latest with Russia, China, Taiwan, and everything going on. Yesterday, in an unbelievable display of how out-of-touch Republicans are and how nothing has changed, they voted... 95 to 1 to admit Sweden and Finland to NATO. Okay, 
Only Josh Hawley voted no. Rand Paul abstained. I don't know why he only abstained, but whatever. But that is the unanimity of opinion behind something so maniacal. There is only downside and no upside. You would think that even the people that bought into the whole Russia-Ukraine thing, by now they should be on to the fact that something is really funny going on there. Something doesn't add up. We've given $60 billion. We've almost never done that before. It's been flushed. Russia has them by the throat. It's done nothing. The sanctions, if anything, Russia's better off than we are. It's brought nothing but pain to America. And for what? And now we're like, let's screw with Russia even more. Let's literally put, you know, adversaries on every border, line their entire border with adversaries. And then the same people are like, oh, we got to send billions to Taiwan. We got to counter China. Now, like I said yesterday, I actually believe Taiwan's much more worthy of being defended than Ukraine, and China is much more the consummate enemy than Russia is. But the problem is, because these very same neocons flushed our resolve, our deterrent, our dip- diplomatic power, right? Because we, we, we could have theoretically driven a wedge in many ways between Russia and China, and now Russia's announcing they're uniting with China, which is just stupid. So if you ask a Republican, at least on the surface, they'll all admit that everything being done domestically by the Biden administration is to maximize pain. But yet somehow on foreign policy, they can't see that, that it's part of the same thing. It's not, yeah, America, we're standing up to the bad guys. No, they are perfectly being weak and strong at the same time against Russia and China that will result in the worst possible strategic military and economic outcome for the United States and our citizens. And that is what I want to call effeminate hawkishness. You have a hawk, you have a dove, but then the worst of all is effeminate hawkishness. And what that means is kind of like, you know, a real, someone with a, you know, skinny mini guy that can't lift up a 10 pound barbell all right, so fine, you kind of lie low. You don't, you know, go out in the hood. Or you have a guy that's a big, tough guy and he likes picking a fight with people. But then you could have that guy who's the 10-foot, you know, you can't pick up the 10-pound barbell and he goes into every bar and starts taking a swing with a bent fist, by the way, at every last person. Well, Daniel, Daniel, are, are you weak? Do, do you not believe in America? You think we should just... You know, let people roam around and not fight them? Well, if you're going to be that effeminate guy, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, ideally we'd be strong, but we're not. So these neocons are like, well, Daniel, I agree we shouldn't ride out the military. I agree we shouldn't have the, you know, they just had a drag queen performance in the Air Force. We shouldn't have that, and we should, you know, secure our supply chains from China and become independent from China. We should do that. But if you believe that, the reality is we haven't done that. And because we haven't done that, we're in the position we're in. And because we're in the position we're in, the worst thing you can do is provoke the two largest nuclear powers. And also, in the case of China, really conventional power as well. But then not have the beef to back it up. So all that's going to do is they're going to cut us off. They're going to, you know, China could cut us, uh, cut our medication off, cut everything off. And they're now obviously flinging missiles all around 
Taiwan, and there's not a darn thing we can do about it. So this was a one-two step between Pelosi and Biden. They weren't fighting with each other. Pelosi did the provocation, and Biden's like, oh, no, no, we're not defending Taiwan. Like, we don't believe in their sovereignty. So it was the weakest of all. But yet 25 Republicans wrote a letter. Yeah, Pelosi's great. And some of these conservative talk show hosts. Yeah, Pelosi's great. That is a pre-3-2020 mindset. In the past, I would have praised her for doing that. But in the environment we live in, it's the worst thing possible. And think about it. Why would someone like that stand up to China when she's in bed with China on every other issue? The answer is she's not. It's to screw with us and weaken our power and put us... Again, the same way it's a controlled demolition domestic-wise, it's a controlled demolition on foreign policy. The worst thing you can do is provoke the other powers in the worst way that they unite against us. We get nothing for it, and we don't have the ability economically to shield ourselves from the impact of them cutting things off and sanctions and things like that, or a military provocation. So I want to get to more of this, but first our sponsor today, Moinkbox, you know, again, when you talk about having a post-3020 mindset, one of those things is being independent on food, okay? The biggest problem we face, speaking of China, is that we allow China to basically own 60% of U.S. pork production. This is the single biggest problem we face now. If we have a COVID equivalent of food, well, thankfully, Moinkbox delivers grass-fed, grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaska salmon straight to your door, okay? Straight to your door if you go and, and become Moinked by going to moinkbox.com conservative. You sign up for your monthly assortment of chickens, meats, fish. If you do it, you get a year free of filet mignon. And here's the thing. It checks all the boxes. It's healthy. American made. It directly addresses this problem that we need to strengthen small and mid-level American businesses over the Chinese-owned fake U.S. company cartel. This is exactly what it means to stand up to China by getting oinked with moink. Again, they don't put in any of um, you know, the antibiotics, the garbage, all these things that cause inflammation. As we've learned from our doctors here, it's the best-tasting American meat that you will find. So again, keep American farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com conservative right now. Listeners of this show get free filet mignon for a year. That's one year of the best filet mignon you'll ever taste. But for a limited time, go to moinkbox.com conservative. That's moinkbox.com conservative. So this is where we are with Biden, Pelosi, and Republicans. It's one big oligarchy. On the issues that matter, at the time they matter, and in the way they matter, the Republican Party is of the same mind. I couldn't believe this. I couldn't believe this. 95 to 1 voting to add them. And, you know, Senator Cotton takes a swipe at Hawley on the floor, and he says, a quote, it would be str- strange indeed for any senator who voted to allow Montenegro or North Macedonia into NATO to turn around and deny membership to fin- Finland and Sweden 
I would love to hear the defense of such a curious vote. This is how in the weeds and nerdy these guys are. I can't understand at the time you're living in why you wouldn't want to admit Finland, the longest border, the country with the longest border in that theater at least, with Russia to NATO when, you know, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, whenever it was, you admitted Montenegro and North Macedonia. And it's like, dude, a pre-3-2020 mindset. What do you talk? There's a lot has changed. Because back then we were all kind of like NATO good, Russia bad. But by now you should recognize that NATO is more communist than Russia. Sweden and Finland are more communist than Russia. Okay? I challenge any of you to to show me where that's wrong. NATO is corrupt. That's number one. Number two, we got ourselves locked in a war with them, and now we're waking up uh, from this drunk stupor, but I guess Tom Cotton hasn't woken up to that fact that we supported a corrupt regime and got literally nothing for it. So we screwed with Russia. Again, at this point, if your thing is Russia, 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 the most important thing is to remove Putin. There's nothing more important in the world. If that is your thing, the only thing that would work is, is compiling a coalition of all these loser countries that say they believe in that. Australia, Canada, England, France, Germany, just like we did in World War II, and going to the Donbass there and going you know, to eastern Ukraine and fighting them. Anything short of that, as I warned from day one, but now even a blind person could see it, is not going to work. It's like, he's, he's thinking, man, I don't understand. In the past, you supported adding countries to NATO. It's like as if nothing has changed. But that is the point. And Tom Cotton is one of the, like, you would, you would probably put him among the top 10 Republicans, right? Grading on a curve. This is where the Republicans are. They do not recognize the Great Reset. They, they view it as a conspiracy theory when these guys are openly talking about it. COVID never happened. They don't think about it. They don't talk about it. They don't understand it. It's like the old days. Taxes, guns, abortion, um, NATO, stay, you know, this America saber-rattling, saber except now from a position of weakness that we didn't have in the past, of, of Russia, this, Taiwan. I mean, all the things that we've been used to supporting for 40 years, and they literally can't read a new map. They learn nothing from the last 20, 20 years. And, and one of the things I resent from these effeminate hawks, effeminate hawks, is that they are the ones who have flushed our resolve, our time, talent, treasure, $6 trillion in the Middle East for 20 years. I would have loved that if not, that had we avoided that, and, and as far as Islamic terrorism is all about immigration, and put it all into countering China. That's what I would have done. But I didn't have my hand on the steering wheel. You guys did. The baby boomer conservative figures... That failed us. It's, it was under their watch that we rotted out the military. That the transgenderism rose. That the wokeness came about. That we did nothing. Oh, well, Daniel, no, no, they, they didn't support that. Don't blame it on the neocons. That's the left. Well, I, the, the wars in 
overseas was certainly their thing that depleted us. But as far as the wokeness and the supply chains, okay, and the rotting out of our industrial base, yes, I do blame them for it. Because unlike myself that I've always been pushing to try something new, to look beyond, all they have been doing, these failed Republicans and phony conservative talkers, for 40, 50 years, vote Republican every two years, vote Republican, vote Republican. We are where we are because they never attempted to look beyond that paradigm. And then they have the chutzpah, they have the nerve to be like, yeah, America, well, this is not 1981. We don't have that luxury anymore. Like, there's one thing I can respect if they, were not, if they don't want to go back to Afghanistan and they didn't want to flush our res- resolve in, you know, um, in uh, Ukraine and, and te- needlessly antagonize Russia and they want to save all of our resources, foreign aid, military, and diplomacy, really, all to counter China. And then now, man, we got to go all out Taiwan. Okay, I can respect that. But part of the reason why we have such a bad hand here in Taiwan is because they, they, they want to take that effeminate, bent, hooked fist swing at everything that moves in the world. So now we have nothing left. Think about it. Back in 1995, it was around, was it this time of year? Maybe September, October, I don't remember. It's later in the year when we had that big crisis with a standoff between uh, China and Taiwan in the Straits of Taiwan there. And in a show of force, this was under Bill Clinton, we marched the USS Nimitz, a number of aircraft carriers, battleships. We marched it right into the Straits. And it was China that was impotent. And they knew they had to shut up. They knew there's nothing they can do about it. Why don't you think anyone's advocating we do that now? Because we can't. Because they'll sink them in a second. I, I know it's painful. But it's even more painful that we don't have freedom at home. That we're effeminate at home. That we're rotted out at home. Than that we're, we can't defend Taiwan. I'm upset about that. I'm actually upset about that. That we look weak. But dude, that ship has sailed. And that's because of the neocons. And their failed, almost sodomite-like clinging to the Republican Party. Failing to hold them accountable in any of the ways that I've laid out over the last number of years. So this is what you get. Go have at it. What do you want from me? Don't blame me. But the, the worst thing you can do is provoke them from a, from a position of weakness. What do you want from me? Oh, you're being weak? You're not patriotic? That's, that's a stupid thing to say. You're not patriotic if you don't believe in compensating the vaccine injured and repealing the PrEP Act, which none of them talk about. Because most of these phony conservatives still love Pfizer. But that's where we are at a foreign policy level. And also think about after all this money we spent... All these idiots, they never focused on policy. It was always more money, more money. So we're actually up to, uh, what is it, $830 billion, $850 billion in defense spending. Republicans asked another $52 billion more than what Biden wanted. 
And what do we have to show for it? Where China is just humiliating us. The exact opposite of what we did to them, you know, 28 years ago. They're flying aircraft, rockets everywhere. And like, go stop us, baby. What are you going to do about it? And what are we going to do about it? And the answer is, at this point, nothing. We spend three times what China spends on defense. And this is what we have to show for it. Because they only focused on policy, on, on, on money, not policy. If they would have focused on policy, they would have understood that rather than nation building in Afghanistan and Baghdad. I mean, remember, this was the big prize of the 2004 election. When we won, now Bush had political capital. What did we win for it? Going into Fallujah. Remember that? That's what they flushed. And now the same cabal of people did the same thing with Ukraine. And again, it's a very important point. I don't like Russia. I never will. Doesn't mean you have to be an ally with them. But what we're doing there is maniacal. And the reality is there were a lot of strategic ways to drive a wedge between Russia and China. Now we united them. Stupidly. Again, there's one thing if we were a superpower, spiritually, mentally, physically, economically. Okay? And we were doing what China did with coal, oil, and gas. We didn't have green energy. We didn't have transgenderism. The military was as macho as it could be. All that money we spent on nation-building other people would have been the best ships and planes. Okay? Built up our industrial base. You know, I, I think one of the things we can do to counter China is normally I don't like tilting the market in any way, subsidizing things, you know, having special taxes for th- things like that. But I think we have an obligation to retilt the playing field. It's a big principle of mine that, again, this is a post-2020, 320 mindset. In the past, I didn't like this, you know, okay, incentivizing to buy America, this, that. But when you have unnaturally selling us out to China and then you have the shutdown, what I would like to do is I would, I would incentivize small and mid-sized businesses. Pick the top 10 most strategically important things we need to manufacture and give tax incentives and regulatory ex- um, exemptions from Sarbanes-Oxley, from Dodd-Frank, all the lean, mean, green stuff. That's what I would do to build up, you know, you know for example pharmaceuticals, make them here. American jobs that you'd have to hire American, it would have to be done here. Um, No Chinese national could ever be involved in that. That's what we need to do. I don't think naturally you need to do that, and naturally I don't believe in that. But after everything we've done, it's like I don't believe in turning the steering wheel all, all the way to the right. But that's when you're driving in the middle. But when you're going to crash into the left guardrail, that's what you have to do. And we have to do that on a lot of policies now. That's what we need to do. Throwing a bunch of money and weapons to Taiwan ain't going to cut it, buddy. Because the bottom line is, we are incapable of fighting them at this point. Think about how weak China was in the 90s. They were just starting to take off. And how strong we were, the Norman Schwarzkopf generation of the military. And where we are today, 
and we've swapped places. That's that's the state of reality. And even if by some miracle you you won and beat them back, it would be a bloody cost. And then it's temporary. Remember, this is their border. They're never going to let that go. You have to defend it in perpetuity. We're, it's sad, but we're just not in position. You have to build up our souls, our minds. We have a country that's rotted out by mental illness. By men being women and women being men. Families destroyed. Military destroyed. Hardware destroyed. And then I didn't even get to the fact that we're you know, up the wazoo in Chinese spies. Again, I don't, I don't even know how you engage in a war with China. When they can monitor everything we're doing. Just consider this. We hand out roughly 70,000 to 85,000 green cards to Chinese nationals every year. More than two nationals of any country besides Mexico. In addition, we have by far more foreign students from China than from any other country. The last year I saw, 2019-2020 academic year... 372,532 Chinese nationals were here on F1 visas. That's about that's more than a third of our growing and too large 1 million foreign student program every year. Now I'm not saying every last Chinese person that comes to the country is a threat, but <clears throat> it is absolutely clear that among them is how they engaged in infiltration, trade theft, Spying, espionage, counterintelligence. In the 2019 Worldwide Threat Assessment. Okay? This is the DNI, the um, Department of National Intelligence, or Director of National Intelligence. Chinese intelligence services will exploit the openness of American society, especially academia and the scientific community, using a variety of means. You know, I remember under Trump administration, I haven't looked in a while, but if you go to the U.S. Attorney's website, the federal lawsuits, now they're too busy um, going after patriotic Americans, but it's, it was replete with cases of Chinese nationals facing indictments. Many of them came in through student visas, worker visas. That's, that's when, when it was, and it started under Clinton. So he was still able to have a strong show of force militarily, but he, he ultimately sold this out. This is noted right-wing outlet CNN reported in 2019 the sheer size of the Chinese student population at U.S. universities presents a major challenge for law enforcement and intel agencies tasked with striking the necessary balance between protecting America's open academic environment and mitigating the risk of national security. According to a bipartisan Senate Homeland Security Subcommittee report, Okay, this is a bipartisan report put out by Rhino Rob Portman a couple of years ago. At the time, he, he noted there are 10,000 Chinese nationals conducting research in the Department of Energy's national labs. It found that agencies and departments conducting scientific research like the National Institutes of Health and State Department. Interesting. National Institutes of Health and State Department do not systemically track visa applicants linked to China's talent recruitment plans. The report found that foreign-born researchers working for various U.S. scientific research agencies were being paid by China under the Thousand Talents Plan. Look it up. Run by the communist government. 
It concludes American taxpayer-funded research has contributed to China's global rise over the last 20 years because it allowed China to go from brain drain to brain gain. Meaning, if you have an immigration system working properly so they'll lose their talent, they'll come here. But they weren't stupid. They used immigration to be a brain gain that it would go back there. That is why we are weak. And yet Republicans just gave $280 billion. Mitch McConnell voted, well, you know, you wonder with his wife what's going on there and her ties. But $280 billion they voted to give to all these transnational corporations and the National Science Foundation that is just riddled with Chinese spies without any provision to at least use that as leverage to say Chinese nationals can't work there. Unbelievable. So Nancy Pelosi's like, yeah, we're going to go after China. Oh, Nancy, we're going to end the Chinese visas? Really? We're going to end the Chinese researchers in American institutions? Well, her own member of her caucus, Eric Swalwell, was caught in bed literally with a Chinese spy, and believe me, he's not the only one. And he's still on the Permanent Select Committee on Intel and the Committee on Homeland Security. And yet Republicans in conservative talk are praising Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi has more balls than Joe Biden. It's all there. It's a one-two game. She does the provocation. He does the weakness. It's being done on purpose to weaken us and, and bring more pain and more disruption, and more chaos, and more controlled demolition, then you're going to have this, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, just like with Russia, it's going to c- cut supply chains, and it's going to I- increase volatility in the markets, and increase um, inflation, and the cost of items, and we're going to suffer from it, and that's if, before you get into security problems. This is all being subsidized by China. Even Christopher Wray, the FBI director in 2018 told the Senate Intel Committee that the this is a quote, the level of naivety on the part of the academic sector um uh, you know referring to all the espionage from Chinese students creates its own issues. I think in this setting I would just say that the use of non-traditional collectors especially in the academic setting, whether it's professors, scientists, students, we see in almost every field office that the FBI has around the country. Um, It's not just in major cities, it's in small ones as well. It's across basically every discipline. In other words, he's saying the FBI had info on every small, large city in America, every FBI office, they were overrun with problems of Chinese counterintelligence, espionage, trade theft in academia, science, corpor- American corporations. What, what, what do you want from me? Daniel, we have to be tough on China. We have to defend Taiwan. I, I, I don't know what to tell you guys. I, I literally don't know what to tell you. This, we've been screaming about this for years, and yet these same neocons voted for and supported the same type of Republicans that were open borders, especially legal. Remember that? I don't like illegal immigration, even though they did, but all legal immigration is good. Really? Record giving China the most visas and green cards every year was a great idea. We did it for 30 freaking years. That's how they got us.
And then once they have that base of talent, they start controlling the corporations and the flow of money and the curriculum at the institution. So that's how they rot us out culturally, information-wise. They suck everything dry, and then they burn, burn down the host. They're like a virus. That's what they did. And Republicans allowed this. Again, the neocons spent this entire time when our attention should have been focused on this. They should have... They, they spent it on nation-building Mogadishu, Kabul, or Bill, or whatever, you know, Damascus, Baghdad, Fallujah, and now Ukraine. Yeah, wh- wh- what do you want me to tell you? What do you want me to tell you? It is what it is. There's nothing we can do about that now. National divorce, having states remain strong, build up our, our purely American sovereign industrial base, build up our culture, create a new state-based military. I mean, we're, we're done. That's what I'm telling you. It's like, Daniel, how do we fix America, make America great again? I'm sorry, but at some point, every two years, we'd be, we were warned if, you, if the Democrats win, we'll lose our country forever. Well, they did win. And even when Republicans won, they did the same thing. So we did lose it. You, 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 can't, you can't even disentangle ourselves from China anymore. There, there's not a single corner of our government that China doesn't control. Like, literally... Game this out for me. Let's say we wanted to engage in military saber rattling against what China's doing right now in the Pacific. How would you even do it without China knowing what we're doing? I guarantee you they, they have the ability through technology and human intel to monitor every single thing we're doing and be aware of it before we do it. What are we supposed to do? Pelosi wasn't some anti-China hero that deserves praise. If she would, she would be doing all these other things. No. It was the worst possible combo. Created that... Watch carefully what they're doing with Russia. The worst possible provocations, but then the weakest ability to back it up. I'm not saying I support this, but if you want to go to war, go to war. But they're not. Right? They're not not doing anything. They failed miserably in... Russia, in, in Russia. Like, Daniel, if we don't arm Ukraine, we're going to look weak with China. Remember that argument from Ted Cruz gave that argument? Well, we gave them more money than we've ever given rebels that we've ever supported. And we've given a lot of money over the years. And Russia's more in control than ever. Well, what message did that send to China? See, at least if you didn't do it, you could reserve the prerogative. If we just dumped an ungodly amount of money in, maybe it would somehow do something. Well, now they see it's a joke. The exact opposite. But the point is, this is not just like the rhinos. Every single Republican, almost barring none of them, one in the Senate, maybe there's like 20 in the House out of 210, understand what we're saying today. They all have a pre-320 mindset. So everything they say is like a wind-up toy where you have a coined message from 1978, 1984, 1998, whatever, and just keep playing it. It doesn't comport with the times we live in. Not at all.
So folks, that's that's kind of the foreign policy part of it, of understanding the revolution of 320, a post-Great Reset mindset. Now let's go on to domestic policy and COVID fascism. So as it relates to domestic policy, what does it mean to have a pre-320 mindset? It means not to understand the admonition of John Dickinson, right? He's the primary author of the Articles of Confederation, one of the founding fathers. This is from letters from a farmer in Pennsylvania to the inhabitants of the British colonies. One of his letters. All artful rulers who strive to extend their own power beyond its just limits endeavor to give to their attempts as much semblance of legality as possible. Those who succeed them may venture to go a little farther, for each new encroachment will be strengthened by a former. In other words, when you do something abnormal and you don't have a response to it, the next time they're going to build off of that and legitimize it based on the previous breach. What it means to have a pre-320 mindset is the fact that these people don't even recognize this happened. The fact that it's not even at the tip of their tongue or at the back of their tongue or anywhere in their written or spoken word of any meaningful Republican, state, federal, anywhere, save a few, in office, running for office, that we need to end these emergency powers, really reform that state and federal level, get rid of the PrEP Act, get rid of the 1986 Immunity Act, and all the things we need to do as a society to ban this insanity of mask wearing. Yes, both public and private. And again, this is my analogy. All things equal, yes, we don't like to say to private actors what you can and cannot do. But when it's done clearly at the behest of government, fascism, where government mandates something in many settings, so then they piggyback off of it. If you want to root it out, and then also they fund the pharmaceuticals, they fund the disinformation, they fund the, they created the virus to begin with. And then they censor anyone's ability to fight back, and we're going to talk about that a little bit tomorrow, about the lawsuits against Twitter and the government uh, conspiring together. We're going to have uh, Louisiana Attorney General Landry on to discuss that. But... The point is that these guys don't recognize that this is the issue of our time. Creating a bodily autonomy bill of rights, creating a digital privacy bill of rights, medical privacy bill of rights, patients in hospitals, a patient bill of rights. These are the, mo- the gravest issues imaginable. Here's where we stand right now with COVID. And when I say COVID, I mean the virus, I mean the response to it, I mean the broader medical tyranny, the next versions of it, and the next big current thing of the Great Reset, whether it's food, fuel, all of it. Here's what they're doing very artfully. And it's the worst possible combination. So basically, they created this scenario where there's the short-term and there's the long-term. Short-term, in terms of the severe, there's the severe fascism and there's the subtle fascism. In terms of the short-term severe fascism, 
they smartly only applied it to a minority of the electorate. So right now, it's mainly healthcare workers and the military that are affected in large numbers. You have smaller numbers of people who work for certain companies here and there. But most people generally could live their lives. They could go anywhere. They don't have to wear a mask. They don't have to get another shot, meaning either they already were forced to, they did, but, but, but that's bridge under the water, unfortunately, for them. As of now, most people could live their lives. So if you don't have a party warning that they are still continuing to impose this on a minority of people, and that's in preparation for the subtle fascism that, see, the noose is tightening around their neck. It's, it's worse than ever. The stuff they're planning, the stuff they're succeeding logistically, politically, policy-wise, legally is worse than ever, but it's still not apparent to most people because it's, they're preparing for the next tranche. If we don't stop it, we won't have medicine, food, fuel, anything you know, whatever. But as of now, you could kind of live your life. It's a little bit more expensive than it was. But, you know, if anything, there's kind of a rubber band effect because this is how you groom people into an abnormal. It was so bad for a while that now it feels like a relief. Wow. You know, you never appreciated living normal life. Wow, this is great. It almost feels great. And that's why any candidate running for office will tell you, unfortunately, COVID fascism doesn't pull in the, in, in the top five on people's minds because you don't have the activation of the voters. Remember that culture is downstream from politics, the opposite of what Andrew Breitbart said. The reason is because now, nowadays, politics is culture. So people take their cues from that. So instead, they tell me, oh, inflation, gas prices, not saying, do you know why we have that? That's because of the COVID fascism. That's because of the PrEP Act and the Cures Act and all that stuff. And guess what? This is just their opening thing. And if you would tell people how they are still denying kidney transplants, kicking people out of the military, rape victims who can't get treatment if they don't go in and wear a mask, which they can't do. People going to the hospital. I'm hearing horrible stories. Again, there's a minority of people. But it's still going on. Someone who's in trauma, they uh, imagine having a terrible injury or something, and you have to lie in a hospital bed with a mask over your face. This is happening. I'm getting emails from people. And no one cares. You could piss people off in a second about this. But if you don't talk about it, the people that deal with it, it's a big deal, but it's a minority of the electorate. But it will become a majority again. This and new iterations of it that we could never imagine if we don't fight it. But it's, the, it's a brilliant tactic that the left is doing. And the phony right is going along, oh, COVID is done with. No, it's not. Here's a story. We talked about this woman before. There was this woman in York County, Pennsylvania, or Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, that basically, um, Rainey Barton, 62, she lives in Elizabeth, Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania. And the Epic Times did an article on on her be, you know, before profile of how basically when she was a young kid, a bunch of boys attacked her. She wasn't sexually assaulted, but it was it was kind of like that in the sense that they, they stuffed dirt down her mouth or something. So because of that, she's lived with trauma and she can't have anything over her mouth. But now in her 60s, she happens to have a lot of uh, health issues. Um, she has kidney disease. So she constantly has to see a doctor. They won't see her. Now they're reporting she was arrested. Rainey Barton didn't expect that her first visit to the doctor in months would end in arrest, 
but there she was on July 22nd in the waiting room with her wrist handcuffed behind her back. She would not be seeing the doctor that day. Barton of Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania, would not leave as requested after she refused to wear a COVID mask, which is required at hypertension and kidney specialists in Lancaster. Now think about that, hypertension and kidney specialists. Your whole purview is treating people who have issues, and you're making them cover their mouth with hypertension? Sick people. This is the rise of the Fourth Reich. That they've imbued this mentality in everyone. Hypertension and kidney specialists is an independent practice with an office on the Penn Medicine Lancaster General House Suburban Philium property. At the request of the office manager at Hypertension and Kidney Specialists, the East Hemfield Township Police removed Barton from the building. According to criminal complaints, she was taken in a wheelchair, put in a squad car, and driven to the police department to be fingerprinted and photographed. On the way to the police station, the car rounded a corner and Barton fell on her side and hit her head on the car door. The officer looked in the rearview mirror, saw me gone, and he said, Are you okay? I said, Yeah, I'm just fine. And then I went back to I went to get myself up, and I'm like, Oh no, I can't get up. Her back is compromised due to spinal stenosis, and with her hands still cuffed behind her back, she was unable to pull herself up. They pulled over off the road to lift me upright in the back of the cruiser, she said. After she was processed at the police department, Barton was released and told that charges would arrive in the mail. This is what we've become. I don't want to hear this business of a private sector. This is only being done because the government is lying to this day. We thought we were done with masks and we had to debunk the vaccine. But no, there is no amount of information showing how it doesn't work, including the fact that you need it again because it didn't work the first 50 times. We'll end this charade. It's because government, part of the PREP Act, exempts Mask manufacturers from liability exempts anyone from forcing this malpractice from liability. Do you know that all the people involved in Rainey Barton's story, they are exempt from what would in any time be human rights violations, certainly medical malpractice, from liability. No discovery. Nothing we can do. Funded by government. Distributed. Mandated. Oh, the private sector wants to do it too. No way. You come back to me. When a private doctor could tell a patient, I will not give you care unless you stop engaging in sodomy orgies because I'm scared of monkeypox. And believe me, that is much more rooted in science and data than come back to me saying you're allowed to deny care to someone until they get a shot or wear a mask. And it's maniacal because the doctors and nurses, they're wearing it. So if it works, it works. Why put that on trauma patients, on hypertension patients? This is sick. And yet nobody is talking about this. And it's still going on at the lull of COVID fascism. It's still going on in all medical settings. You can imagine, come the fall and the winter, they're promising to bring it back everywhere in perpetuity. How is it that we don't have anyone I could see promising to create a civil right, at least in public accommodations, and I would include medical settings? But you know what? That, that's my compromise. I would apply it to everyone. Even the freaking ice cream store. Because until an ice cream store could say, I'm not serving people if they engage in sodomy, then come back to me. We have anti-discrimination laws. We will apply them evenly, especially when we have data. The slate is not clean anymore. We know this doesn't work. We know it causes harm. We know it violates human, human rights. We need state constitutional amendments that nobody could force a medical treatment prophylactic or device and so on. 
This is the, the rallying cry, yet we can't get this anywhere. Nowhere. Truly disgusting. And by the way, speaking of the vaccine, turns out, the ONS, that's the UK's Office of National Statistics, just released weekly provisional death reports. For the week ending July 22nd, there were 1,680 excess deaths, 18% above the five-year average. Okay? If you take away the COVID deaths, which we shouldn't be having them now, it's still up about 12% or so. 11.5%. The number of deaths in private homes was up 31.4% above the five-year average. What does that tell you? It's everywhere. This is from the Rare Foundation. Germany's largest health insurer reveals one in 25 clients underwent medical treatment in 2021 for COVID vaccine side effects. We've estimated that, um, you know, as of now, the serious injuries are probably somewhere between 1% and 2%. But this, they have at 4% as anyone who saw treatment because it's not necessarily like hospital level or, you know, you know urgent care, but... Um, you know, saw the doctor. The cesspool of vaccine side effects in Germany is finally completely open. According to the Dutch news site, I don't know how to pronounce it, BLCKBX, five months after a WAB request, I guess that's like a FOIA request, it appears that 437,593 of the 11 million insured persons of the country's largest health insurance fund, Techniker Kronkenasi, TK, had to undergo medical treatment in 2021 for code vaccine side effects. That is 1 in 25, meaning that's 1 in 25 of their patient load or, or service load. It's the largest insurer. They cover 11 million, and about 437,000 sought care. Um, that is in the year 2021. Okay? And that is just one insurer. That is one insurer. So based on the figures from TK, as many as one in 500 injections is expected to cause a serious side effect. One in 500. And 3.3 million Germans would have to be treated by a doctor by 2021 because of the side effects of the, of the shots. Serious side effects include facial paralysis, persistent pain, nerve problems, severe skin reactions, heart attack strokes, heart muscle inflammation, permanent disability, and death. So there you go, folks. There you go. That is millions of people in the U.S. And again, it's getting worse and worse. Pre-320 mindset. Okay? Doesn't exist. Uh, imagine if in the ensuing two years after 9-11... 9-11 never happened in the lexicon of Republicans. Obviously, as Joe Biden himself once said of Giuliani, everything they said was a noun, a verb, and a reference to 9-11, right? Um, they weren't like that. Why? Why? Why is it like this? Maybe you could figure it out because I can't. This is truly, truly disgusting. A bunch of countries are now 
paying vaccine injury, but not in America, not a single person, and no one's even running on it. No one's running on it. Nobody cares. It turns out um, Joel Smalley from the UK, he has a substack called Dead Man Walking, very appropriately. They now have confirmed, and he goes through the individual stories behind them he pulled out from theirs, 45 reports of children dying after receiving the COVID vaccine up to July 2022. No one ever, these are just the ones reported. Okay? 45 dead children that we know of. And there's exponentially more we don't know of. It's so underreported. The majority of those deaths were blood clotting and cardiac related. So, gee, kids, give me a break. We know exactly where that's coming from. And he goes through all he goes through all the stories. It's terrible. Historically, vaccines have been pulled by then, yet they are still mandated. Military men are being kicked out. Healthcare workers, there's now a shortage because, well, A, because a lot of the doctors and nurses are dying and or, or are sick from the shots, and then they constantly get COVID too, or um, because, you know, the good ones left. There's also well over 1,000 serious injuries. And by the way, the numbers are actually lighter than among adults, and that's because Pfizer went with three micrograms. They smartly did that. Because they didn't want to call. What that tells you is that they knew it was dose dependent. Because we now have documents, by the way, that we know that they saw 100 micrograms was toxic to rats. Well, right off the bat, Moderna's two shots are 100 micrograms. And Pfizer's three shots are 90 micrograms, I guess. I believe. So, that there you go. That, that's why it's so devastating the people that get third and fourth shots because that's going to put them over the top if, if they weren't already put over the top. You know, the three micrograms, they made sure to, uh, you know, low dose it because they knew their product was, um, was dangerous. What's it going to take? You know, this is from, who is this? Egpius. I don't, Egpius. I don't know how to, Pronounce his substack, but E U G Y P P I U S, a plague chronicle. He notes he's a, a German, our clown health minister Karl Lauterbach, and our useless liberal minister of justice Marco Buschmann have finally agreed on draft legislation to replace our current infection protection act, which expires in September, as predicted to compromise is masking and not much else. Specifically, the federal states will receive the option to impose indoor mask mandates with exceptions for those who can present negative tests. So basically, those who refuse a fourth dose in the fall will be forced to wear a mask. This is permanent. There has never been anything so debunked as masks, but it doesn't matter. It will continue. And Republicans don't care. And in many respects, I wish it was full-born lockdown and mass now. Because then at least we could fight it. The problem is nobody sees this. Anything I'm talking about. People dropping dead from the shots, still too subtle. The mass, too subtle. Again, I'm like that. It doesn't affect my job. I don't seek health care. We have a healthy family. Thank God. Um... 
No one's losing their job here to vaccine mandate. Yeah, I, I could pretty much live a normal life. But so many others cannot. And guess what? We will all be in that boat soon enough if we don't stop this. That's what it means to have a post-320 mindset, a post-Great Reset mindset. That this is not about, oh, it's taxes, economy, guns, abortion, oh, the Democrats. No, no. We are living through the rise of the Fourth Reich. That's what we are living in. And if we don't stop it while we still can, we won't be able to. Remember, when it comes to that arbitrary encroachment, that that power, each new encroachment will be strengthened by a former. If you don't uproot the former and plow the ground with salt around it, it will not only come back, but it will come back worse. Yet how many Republicans have that mindset? How many neocons have that mindset? And the answer is that the same phony Republicans and neocons that have failed us to the point that we are in this situation. We are in this situation economically because of them. We are in this situation liberty-wise because of them. We are in this situation with a perpetual, um, you know, duopoly because of them. We are in this situation where we have a raw hand against China and Russia because of them. And they have the nerve to complain about it and want us to engage from, from a position of weakness. It is their fault. You look at Ron DeSantis in Florida. He was out today with another uh, one of his plays in his no-huddle offense. He fired a... Now, I, I don't know which states could do this. I have to find out. Most probably can't. But the governor of Florida has the authority to fire... Uh, sheriffs and prosecutors. So he fired a Soros prosecutor in Hillsborough County, Tampa area. What that demonstrates is we could have demanded that. We could have demanded that what a Republican looks like is a Ron DeSantis. And I, I demanded it, but I was a voice in the wilderness supporting candidates that barely had support. No one else would support them. And here we are, just vote Republican every other November. That was their message. So I think those people need to sit this one out, accusing people like us of being disloyal, unpatriotic, weak, pro, I guess we're pro-China now, like we're pro-Russia for not, you know, supporting their pickets charge um, and stupidity. But again, they are the ones, in many respects, depending on who you're talking about, who supported some of the policies, but if not the policies, they supported the strategies, the political strategies that perpetuated this failure for so long. It's time we have a post-Great Reset mindset. And again, next week I'm going to come out, Steve and I are going to come out with our message on what needs to done, be done with that. This post-Great Reset mindset, the first step to formulating a solution is to properly diagnose the problem. You got to see where the fire is before you douse the flames with water. You got to know where to send the water. And the problem is not abortion and expending all of our political capital on that. I, I didn't get a chance to talk about Kansas and my thoughts on that, but you know, maybe we'll get to that a little bit tomorrow. Expend it on what matters at the moment it matters and the way it matters. This is what this show is all about. Um, those of you who've only listened for a week or two, we have a lot of new listeners. You you understand this is different from any other 
Republican, Democrat, right, left, you know, conservative, liberal, even though that's the name of our show, we got to change it. Um, but I'm censored everywhere. I'm off everything. So the only way to grow this show at this point is for you guys to be our ambassadors. Help us with the algorithm on iTunes by giving us a five-star rating with uh, a comment. Um, some of, So many of you are so kind and have really helped with that. Keep it going. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.